Sim asked me a couple of weeks ago um, if I wanted to, yeah, speak. So I thought, oh, okay, that's, what, what is that? Oh, it's when I'm on the retreat. And I thought, oh, is that Father's Day? Yeah, oh, okay, I thought that would be fun. So, so um, here it is. I'm not sure if you got the app. I noticed this morning at 8 o'clock that Sim sent my notes through. So I, I was surprised to see you all here. I thought you'd just stay home and read it, but that's okay. Or you're still here. That's even the most surprising part. But, but it was um, interesting going through the fathers of the Bible. And uh, yeah, I just want to share yeah, what I found from them. And I guess uh, I want to start with Psalm 127, verse 3 to 5. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. I guess the same thing could be said say for uh, daughters. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. There, there comes a time in your life when it's like, you know, you, like with Father's Day, even today, you're thinking, oh yeah, my dad died four years ago, right? So I'm thinking of my father. All of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm the father now, and even a grandfather, right? So it's kind of like, wow, it, it, time, as they say, goes so fast. And it is truly a blessing to be a father. And it's uh, yeah, good to see so many of you here, too. And some fathers, uh, grandfathers as well. That's, that's kind of cool. I mean, a grandfather is even, even better, I think, than a father. So, but, uh, yeah, it's a blessing. But I want to talk about a few, few of the men in the Bible. The first one was Adam. Now, Adam was made in, in God's image, so he's a, and he's a pretty smart guy, honestly. He, he, uh, he named all the animals and the plants. Was it genus, then species, or the other way around, or whatever it is, right? He, he, he was no, you know, ape man or anything. He was very, very smart. He was created by God and men and women. He created in God's image. But, but he did have issues, right? In Genesis 3, we read, the man said, the woman, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit and I ate it. So I guess as a man, I'm thinking, you know what? God has given us the privilege of leadership. We have to take charge of our families to lovingly correct and direct them as we've seen God directing us. What we do with this opportunity will not only impact our own family, right? It'll make an impact on generations to come. Just look at Adam. The first guy that's in and everybody else after that, it's like, we're all doomed. What, what I learned from him, though, is that God is looking for fathers who freely choose to obey him and submit to his love. Fathers with integrity live in the knowledge that nothing, nothing is hidden from God's sight. Instead of blaming others, godly fathers take responsibility for their failures and shortcomings. Boy, how often do I do that? The next person I wanted to talk about is Noah. He was a pretty... Uh, important figure. You know, he was like 600 years old when God called him. I'm glad uh, they're not calling me that late. And In Genesis 6, it said, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. 
I want to be that kind of a man. I want to be that kind of a father. God promises to bless and protect those who faithfully follow and obey him. Obedience is not a sprint. It's a marathon. 600 years old. Can you imagine? It means a lifetime of faithful devotion. That's what fatherhood is. Because Noah obeyed God, God used him to change the world. He did. Later we hear that Noah got a little tipsy and right. But that, that just shows me that even the most faithful followers, we have weaknesses. And we can fall into sin. The next one is a lot. I was going to have Abram first, then Lot, but it just kind of worked better on my page, so I switched it. You know who Lot is. That's the nephew of, nephew of Abram. He wasn't so good, but we'll read. In Genesis 19, when the angels came to visit Lot, and Lot was in the house, and the, and the, the people in the city wanted to go get the angels and have sex with them. But Lot says in Genesis 18, look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men for they have come under the protection of my roof. As fathers, we have to protect our wives. We have to protect our children. Okay, this is not a very good example of Lot, of a, of a, of a father, of a of a godly father. I don't know how old Lot was. I never, yeah, because Abraham took him and took him with him and because his brother had died, Abraham's brother. So, so Lot really, or Abraham kind of took him under his arms. But what I read, it doesn't, it doesn't look like he was doing the right things all the time, Lot. Right? He was getting into fights and, you know, he was in a tent outside of Sodom. And then he was into the city gates, right? He was one of the rulers in Sodom. So it's like Lot wasn't uh, the best man. And it, it kind of makes me wonder because he's, he was probably like a teenager. I'm not sure if you guys, you're not teenagers. You haven't had teenagers yet. It must be a hard, yeah. You're, you're too young for that. I, I'm older. See, that's why they, Sim wanted me to speak because I'm old. I, I've been through a lot of this stuff, but. I must say, in my, um, my career, I lost my job probably about 11 years ago. It was just kind of taken out of me. And I guess you don't know why certain things happen, I'll be honest with you. You, just, you try for a you know, job in the same field. I was in the flower business before. And um, just didn't get it. But God, I guess, wanted me there. And looking back, about 11, 12 years ago, we had five teenagers at home. So I don't know if God maybe called me back for that time. I don't know what our lives would have been like if I had still worked at this company. We don't know, right? And it's not that my teenagers were bad. So I, I, you don't know what God has in store for you and God using you as a parent. And being a parent is like, sorry, that's the most important job we have. I know as men we have to work and make a living and provide for the family. 
But being a parent, being a father, being a mother, that's so important to raise our children up. So if you go off a lot and talk to, about Abram, Abraham, God called him. He said to him in Genesis 12, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him. Abram knew God had called him. He didn't know what it meant or what it would cost him, but he knew that not following the call would destine him for misery. So Abram dared to move straight into God's blessing. Abram wasn't perfect. He lied about Sarai being his wife, and he wasn't right in not trusting God in uh, relationship with Hagar. But we do see that in obedience, he took his son, his only son Isaac, because God told him to. God told him to sacrifice him. And, I, and, and, and Abraham did do that. We can see that God wants to use us in spite of our shortcomings. He will even rescue and support us through our foolish mistakes. Genuine faith pleases God. God's purposes and plans are revealed in phases over a lifetime of obedience. Well, as I said, we can also learn from Abraham on his taking Lot with him. The act of adopting is sacrificial. Other men that, men that have adopted in the Bible include Mordecai with Esther. And even with Jesus' father, Joseph. Even though we may not be biological fathers, God can use all of us to mentor his children. Another example is how Paul was a father figure to Timothy in the New Testament. You are a father figure. You are. It might be a, a bad father figure or you know, a good father figure. But us, the young people see us, and they we're leading by example, whether they're good or bad. One of the great things of being a dad, right, is we can do these corny jokes. So I, I like this one. This is not a bad bod. It's a father figure. <laughs> so, but we are. We are father figures, and we have to be careful of what we're doing, right? People are looking up to us. Do you support maybe organizations like Compassion Canada? Do you sponsor a child with other organizations? God takes pleasure in that. I also think of my son Connor taking Athena like his own, right? God takes pleasure in that. There's other people here maybe. There's uh, yeah, Sherry and Ryan, right, that I can think of. I see Jer Jeremy too, Lord. He's like a father figure to a lot of these people here, right? We have to be wise in being a good father figure. Abram's son Isaac, what can we learn about him? He, uh, one verse I picked out was Genesis 27, when, when Isaac gave the blessing to Jacob and said to Esau, Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? 
I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. Did Isaac wish that he could take his words back and give him the blessing to Esau instead? Of course. But he refused to compromise. Isaac was a man of his word. Jesus spoke to the same issue hundreds of years later, saying, let your yes be yes. Then your no, no, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. God, lo God loves to answer a father's prayer, and trusting God is wiser than lying. We also hear from Isaac, though. In Genesis 25, Isaac, who had a taste for game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. When our children have the same interests as us, we tend to spend more time with them. Even if you don't love their interests, love them by showing interests. A few years ago, I drove some of my kids, I'm not sure if it was you guys, to a Screamo concert. Is that you? Or is that Nolan? That was you? I'm not a fan of Screamo music. I don't even know if that's still around or you guys listen to it. But it's, I think it was even uh, Christian Screamo, wasn't it? Haste the Day, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of Screamo music. But I, I am a fan of my kids, right? Even though your kids' interests aren't yours, take interest in them. Next we have Jacob. Jake, Genesis 33 says, Jacob bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother but Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. And they wept. Have your children ever seen you cry? Have your children ever seen you ask for forgiveness? So Jacob and Esau, they weren't the best. They didn't have the best relationship. And Jacob was afraid. So he bowed down and he apologized. Do your kids see you like this? Whether to God, pleading, or asking forgiveness from yeah, somebody else. That's okay. That's okay. Admitting we are wrong, whether to God or each other, is a character trait that we should not be embarrassed about. But Isaac, his father, had a favorite son, Esau, and now Jacob is showing favorites. We read in Genesis 37, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to them. Treating our children with an equal amount of love, attention, and discipline will foster the best possible relationship they could ever have with each other. Other things we learn about God through Jacob is God wants us to trust him so we will benefit from his blessing. Fighting against God is a losing battle. And we often worry about missing God's will for our life. But God works with our mistakes and bad decisions. God's will is sovereign. His plans cannot be undone. 
Yeah, those forefathers, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. Then we move on to a couple of, uh, I guess, spiritual leaders then. We have Moses. Moses in Exodus 18, it says, After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom and the other was Eliezer. Some cultures actually send their children to family members or they'll send them here to school with the international students. And Filipino friends I have too, they, they, they work here and they, they have family members taking care of them. Uh, that may be, they may think that th- that's the only option for them and maybe it is. But I take the responsibility of parenthood seriously and I feel the Lord wants me to raise them. Moses may not have been a great father sending his kids away, but he did lead the Israelites to the promised land. And what can we learn from him? With God, all things are possible. And God desires intimate fellowship with every believer. No one can follow God's laws perfectly. We all need a savior. (coughs) Excuse me. It also says in Genesis 18, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. I've been blessed with a great father-in-law. He treats me as a son. It is a good decision to accept wise, wise counsel from others. Sometimes we must delegate to be a good leader as well. That's what Jethro had shown Moses. Then we look at, take a look at Aaron. Aaron, Leviticus 10. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire on them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord. Wow. Can you imagine seeing your sons get basically fried, burnt up, sacrificed, because they didn't do what the Lord wanted? And then Aaron wasn't even allowed to mourn. Unbelievable. We are only caretakers of God's children. They're God's children. Right? They belong to God and we must teach our children well and be sure they're listening to God's voice and living in obedience to him. Then we take a look at Eli and Samuel. These are all fathers that we've seen in the Old Testament. Well, some of them. In 1 Samuel 2, this is with Eli. This sin of the young men, that would have been Eli's sons, was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Eli's sons were priests as well. But they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. The demands of ministry are relentless. No occupation, not even the priesthood, could ever be worth such a price. Do not use up all wisdom and good judgment at the office. You also need some for home. Now, Eli, that was Eli. Then Samuel, Samuel, 
brought up, but, you know, but he wasn't doing much better. In 1 Samuel 8, we hear, but his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. Let's pause a minute here. Look at, we got all these, man, Moses, Aaron, Eli, Samuel. And I'm thinking, wow, what about Pastor Sin and Joe? Are we allowing them also right, to have enough time to spend with their family? Every time I hear what they're doing, it's like every night of the week they're busy. Right? I think as a fellowship, we should take on more responsibility. Right? We can't let them burn out. We can't. Their family is in jeopardy if that happens. Look what happened to Moses' kids. Right? They're neglected to Aaron's kids. Eli's and Samuel's. I don't want Pastor Sim and Joe to have those kind of concerns for their family. So I think we have to support them and not burden them with all the responsibilities of NBC. Then we take a look at David. David in 2 Samuel. David and Bathsheba. Everybody knows that. Don't you hate to be the father that, oh yeah, he's the, he's the guy that committed adultery. But he was a man after God's own heart. A friend of mine actually had uh, yeah, a time with a woman that he shouldn't have. And he got caught. Did you know what he said to me? The worst thing is, my kids are young now, but they're going to find out. And I, yeah, I, I let them down as a father. Right? And I think that as fathers too, it's like, yeah, it might look good. It might look good, and it might be this girl or guy out there, and you're kind of thinking, well, yeah, no one's going to find out. But Second Samuel says about David, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what was evil in his eyes? Adultery brings with it a guarantee of pain. If you're fortunate, it will only be, on your, it will only be your own. Chances are it'll bring searing pain to your family too. What could ever be worth this? Sins have consequences. Honest self-evaluation is necessary to recognize your own sin. Look at all the Psalms that we read that David wrote. God wants our whole hearts. We cannot hide sin from God. The Lord is always there for us. Another thing we see about David in his dealing with his children. Yeah, he wasn't too good with, he was kind of neglectful in the way he treated Amon, Amnon. Amnon, his son, raped his half-sister. And Absalom wasn't too much of a good guy either. But David still loved them. 
And when they were going after Absalom, then Absalom died. Second Samuel 18 says, the king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and, and wept. As he wept, he said, oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Yeah, children don't always do what you think they should. But just like God has unconditional love for us, a lot of times we have unconditional love for our children, don't we? They could, not that you like it, they do things that are maybe not pleasing to you, you don't think they should do it, but you love them because they're your kids. Don't you? You don't only love them when they do the right things, do you? No, you love them because they're your child. They're your children. So David was a neglectful father in dealing with his sons Amnon and Absalom. Confronting children with their failures is one of the most difficult aspects of being a father. Dads who neglect this responsibility invite the division of their relatives and friends. I do appreciate what David did with Mephibosheth. He took Mephibosheth, Jonathan, his friend's crippled son, in 2 Samuel 9 it says, and Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table and he was crippled in both feet. I would like to honor parents who care for special needs children. Doctor and hospital visits are more frequent and these children are dependent on you. I think of you, Ari and Joanna, and even you, Simon and Edie. They are a blessing. They are a blessing. But they are a lot of work and that takes a lot of responsibility. That takes a lot of Extra time. I think of you, Darren and Tracy, with all these extra visits and doctors and to touch Anna's hearing. Right? And I don't think, I don't know everybody here, but I know, well, I guess Connor and Sadie have taken now. Athena. Right? These are special things that we have to do as parents. And it takes extra work. And we need God's just comfort and grace and mercy and strength to do all that in addition right, to all the other things that we have to do. But God also, he, he, he took care of those with extra needs. Leviticus 19, it says, do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. In Luke 14, we see with the banquet. But when you give a, ban a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of righteousness. Amen to that. So bless you. Bless you. 
So we talked about an adoptive father, and we think of Joseph then, Jesus' father. I like what it says in Matthew 1. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. God honors men of integrity and rewards them with his trust. Mercy always wins. Obedience may result in humiliation. He had an engaged woman, pregnant for Pete's sake. Obedience may result in humiliation and disgrace before men, but close friendship with God. Those were some of the, the, the actually better fathers. They weren't all good fathers. There's a couple of really nasty ones. One was Ahaz. In 2 Kings we read, he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and even sacrificed his son in the fire following the detestable ways of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. That was Ahaz. In 2 Chronicles 33 we read about Manasseh. Manasseh sacrificed his sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, practiced sorcery, divination, and witchcraft, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Wow, those were pretty bad fathers. But the main father here that's really bad is Satan. Jesus says in John 8, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding on to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Wow. Wow. Although we don't have... We do not have a choice on who our biological fathers are. We do have a choice on whom we will try to be like. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob wants to be your heavenly father. He wants to adopt you into his family so you can learn from a father who cares for you. A dad who lovingly tells you the truth. Character traits of God the Father are the ones to emulate. God the Father. Let's use his example. I'm sure my kids probably learned swear words from me. Right? I'm not proud of that, but they probably did. Right? Another bad habit, they probably learned from me. That's who they see. I want to be like my Father in Heaven. And what does God, the Father in Heaven, say? Who's the Bible say He is? 1 John 3, it says, God, the Father, is love. Love. I'm just going to list a few of them here. In Ephesians 2, or sorry, love, it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. That's 1 John 3. In Ephesians 2, we hear that he's, God the Father is kind. 
in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches to his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Our God, the Father, is compassionate. As Monica read, Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Boy, oh boy, I need to have that. I need to be slow to anger sometimes, I tell you. But we take a look at our Father in Heaven. He's that to us. Our Father in Heaven is giving. John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. He's a giving God. Do your kids see you give? Not only to yourself with toys or whatever you spend your money on. Are you a giving father? God the Father is faithful. In Lamentations 3 we read, Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Our Father in heaven is merciful. Ephesians 2 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God the Father is strong. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Our Father in heaven is forgiving. He's forgiving. Am I forgiving? In 1 John 1, we see if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God the Father is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, we read in Psalm 136. In Psalm 145, we hear that the Lord, our God, the Father, is righteous. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is caring, we read in Matthew 6. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. God the Father is sovereign. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. God the Father is our shepherd. Psalm 23, most of us know it. He leads us. He protects us. God the Father is ever-present, we read in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And God is gracious, we read in Psalm 116. The Lord is gracious 
and righteous, our God is full of compassion. In Exodus 15, we see that God is our healer. For I am the Lord who heals you. In 1 Chronicles 29, we see that God is powerful. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Father in heaven is the one who saves. As Zephaniah 3 verse 17 says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. Our Father in heaven is our helper. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And our God is the one who makes all things new. Revelations 21 says, He who seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I am making everything new. So those are things that I want to try to do. I can't be sovereign and I can't heal, I can't save, but there's things there that, yeah, I want to strive to do. But there are some things that we can do to become better fathers. First of all, we have to commit. We have to commit ourselves to God, our Father in heaven. Joshua 24, and this is something that we have a little plaque outside of our home. Joshua 24 says, then choose for yourself this day whom whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Take that step. God is speaking to you. Listen to his voice. Be his child. Accept God's gift of salvation. He sent his son to die for your sins, your guilt, your shame, and your imperfections. In Jesus Christ, we have the confidence to come to our Father in heaven's throne of grace. Amen. Second thing is break the cycle of addictions and bad behavior. There are consequences to actions that our fathers had on us. Our father may have had anger issues, negative words, maybe negative words even against different groups, maybe negative words towards those who weren't born here or they speak a different language or have a towel on their head or maybe there's negative words that, you know, LGBTQ. Whether we like it or not, our kids hear how we feel about different people. Right? we got to stop that cycle. God, Lord, is he made all people in his image. We don't do everything right. And some of us feel that maybe they, yeah, they can do what they want. But it's not for us to judge, to bring hatred toward other groups. Our father may have had abusive 
abusive behavior verbally, physically, emotionally, sexually abused us or our wives. Maybe suffered from substance abuse and addictions. Do you know what? God can break that cycle. He really can. I like the story in 2 Kings 2. Jericho was cursed. And the men of the city of Jericho saw Elisha as a man of God. And they came up to him and said in 2 Kings 2, the men of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. A lot of commentaries will, will explain that that's not only the land, but it's probably the women that weren't bearing children because also that sterility, is that, that was bad too with the water. And then that's when Elisha put salt in the water. And then the water was good. And the land was productive. Man, we can do that as fathers and men, can't we? And women for that matter. We can pray for our land. We want it to be productive. Right? And God can help us. God healed Jericho through Elisha. And God can heal our land and us. Third thing is be a good example. 1 Timothy 4 says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in love, in life, in faith, and in purity. Our children will learn by our words and actions. I want to be a father that shows them good habits, good words, and good actions. Number four is train your child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. That's what it says in Proverbs 22. Deuteronomy 6 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. So basically that's all the time, isn't it? All the time. Train your child. Talk about it with your children. One that's often, I think, neglected is number five I have here is husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's Ephesians 5. 1 Peter says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. If you're a father, a woman was most likely involved. Sometimes we can be like a Nabal. I love the story of Abigail. Abigail is the, yeah, the one that saw her husband like kind of really mess up with David when David wanted uh, some food there. And David was going to kill him. 
But then 1 Samuel 25 says, May the Lord pay no attention to that wicked man Nabal. This is Abigail speaking to David. He is just like his name. His name is fool and folly goes with him. I believe that, yeah, this is a good case for just abuse. Abigail stood up. She did not let her family be destroyed because of what her husband had done. Fathers that serve God do not abuse their wife. And they do not abuse their children verbally, physically, emotionally, or sexually. When children see a healthy relationship in their parents, it gives them a good example if and when they have a family. Sixth point is pray for and with your children. We can learn from Job, the praying father. In Job 1, we read, Early in the morning he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, Perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Pray especially that your children come to know the Lord. The advantage of having children believe is they will be forgiven, which makes it easier to forgive you for all the wrongs you have done as a father. When we pray for and with your children, I'm actually very impressed with this fellowship here. Even in the prayer room, there's young people coming in that prayer room in the prayer closet there praying, using their gifts in that. And we can learn from our young people. We don't have all the answers, but when we pray with our children, we see their strengths and we learn from them. So thank you for taking the call to pray with us, young people. Discipline your children. Hebrews 12, verse 9 says, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for us. Discipline should be restorative and not crush the child's spirit. Consistent Christian discipline is a powerful expression of love to your child. It seeks the child's best interest. Both words and actions, warnings and consequences are brought into our children's situations to keep them on track and deter them from destruction. The long-term goal of grace-based discipline yields the fruit of righteousness. And my last point is Bless your children. It's one of the things I probably heard on, uh, probably focus on the family or something. Blessing your children. I've got to be honest with you. I did a lot more when I was younger. Just probably a little pamphlet I read or whatever, but God blessed Abraham. Jacob blessed his son, sons. As Ronka read too, Jesus blessed the little children. 
I would bless them at night with the uh, Aaronic blessing with number 6, verse 22. And I encourage you, if you have children, bless them. It, it's something that we did all the time, and then the kids get older. Then it's just special occasions. Maybe they're going to school. Maybe they're getting married. But God calls us to bless our children. Being a father is truly a blessing. We have the privilege of caring for the children God has entrusted to us. As fathers, we haven't always done the best job. And maybe you have had fathers, right, that, that weren't godly fathers. But you know what? Our Father in heaven is perfect. And each one of us is a child of God. And he loves you. And for those men, I guess, or guys here that maybe they want to be a father and it's just not happening. Okay? Bless you. To those who are a father figure type of person, uncle, right? Grandparents, just men. Thank you and bless you. I want to um, close with prayer and then as a benediction, there is um, a blessing song. You might have heard it by um, Carrie Joby, is it? And I, I want to us to bless each other with that as we sing that together. And I want to encourage you to bless, bless your children. Because you know what? We're, we're all imperfect. All the men in the Bible that I talked about, all the fathers, and the, they all had their faults. There's only one true good father, and that's God. Right? So let's, yeah, let's close in prayer and thank him. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, that uh, you can show us again how good you are. Thank you, Lord, if we are fathers, Lord, that you have given us a privilege to care for your children in that way. We just ask, Lord, that you can give us wisdom and all the traits, Lord, that you have onto us so we may emulate your character and your traits and we just pray, Lord, now blessing upon us this day as we meet again tonight, as we hear Randy David speak. And help us, Lord, in our daily walk with you that we can just continue to seek your guidance and your direction and, Lord, want to do things that are pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray.